Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This show is sponsored by Comark, a global provider of innovative software products and business services. Comark's platform is used by leading brands across all industries to drive their customer loyalty. Powered by AI and machine learning, Comark technologies allow you to build, run, and manage personalized loyalty programs and product offers with ease. For more information, please visit comark.com. Hello and welcome to episode 243 of Let's Talk Loyalty, focusing on the all-important topic of how loyalty program owners can support the sustainability agenda of our businesses. As we all know, all over the world, consumers are expecting brands to lead by example when it comes to behaving in sustainable ways. And I was really impressed when our friends in Manto Connect reached out to me recently and offered to discuss this topic in the context of how the loyalty industry in particular can get more actively involved. They also offered to plant 100 trees in the name of Let's Talk Loyalty as a thank you for us featuring them on the show as part of their Million Tree Pledge. So with that added incentive, how could I say no? I hope you enjoy this episode and my conversation with Isabel Finlayson, sustainability lead for Mando Connect, which includes lots of practical examples how loyalty programs can support sustainability. So, Izzy, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hi, Paula. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's wonderful, Izzy. We didn't get to meet recently at the International Loyalty Awards, although I know that's where this whole idea came about, about the importance of sustainability as a word I obviously can't even say very well, but something that loyalty practitioners increasingly need to be thinking about. So... A wonderful conversation ahead. Um, really interested to hear all of the work that you're doing with Mando Connect. But before we get into all of that, Izzy, I always ask, as you know, uh, what is your favorite loyalty program of the moment? Oh, such a difficult question, as I think there are so many good examples out there at the moment. Um, but if I had to choose, I would go with Costa Club um, from Costa Coffee, mm-hmm. um, which is the UK's largest coffee shop chain. Um, I think it's a great example of a loyalty program who is rewarding its customers uh, for their use of sustainable and environmentally friendly behaviours. So members can earn free coffees twice as quickly um, if they use a reusable cup, um, which takes just four purchases versus kind of eight purchases if you were using without a reusable coffee cup. So it's a really lovely, tangible benefit. And the app is simple to use. It's digital. It's visually engaging. Yeah. And it even turns your collector tokens green. Um, oh. when you are. Yeah. So a real nice visual reminder of, of kind of you being green and doing your bit for the environment. That's a brilliant idea, Izzy. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. And I know you're based, obviously, in the UK, where Costa is, as you said, a market leader. 
Um, and when we talked before, what I really loved you were telling me was the importance of, you know, something that's very tangible. So yeah. again, as loyalty professionals, it's, it's, uh, it's all about driving, you know, profitable behavior change for the business, but actually this idea of making it profitable for the member. And in such a simple way, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've done a fantastic job of weaving in sustainability into something that's quite user-friendly and easy to understand for customers. Amazing, amazing. And I think what that does as well, Izzy, is you're absolutely right, the visual reminder. And then I guess it brings in the frequency piece as well. So every single time you bring your reusable mug, you're getting that benefit. It's, It's really, really lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. So listen, why did you guys decide? uh, As I said, I know Charlie, she's been on the show before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mando Connect is doing some extraordinary work and won some incredible awards, of course, with your clients um, at the International Loyalty Awards. But you're literally putting a stake in the ground, I guess, in terms of, you know, sustainability being a key priority for every loyalty professional. So give us a bit of context around why you're putting such emphasis on it, Izzy. Yes, we are. We're we're flying the green flag. Um, Well, the reason why I feel so passionate about this is because every year Mando Connect uh, publishes a white paper around what Brits want from loyalty programs. And every year kind of sustainability comes out in the research. And I think excitingly, this year is where we've seen the biggest kind of shift um, in attitudes towards sustainability. And it actually came out as one of our biggest key insights from the research, with Mm. 71% of Brits thinking loyalty programmes should help people live more sustainably or support the environment. That's a huge stat. Um, Yeah. Yeah. for us, you know, we see the obvious benefits. It builds emotional loyalty and also brand advocacy yeah. um, whilst whilst also saving the planet. I, I totally agree. And what I think is happening is, and you know, I'd love to hear your view on this. So I think, you know, businesses are very clear and certainly pre-COVID, I think it was perhaps one of the top kind of marketing objectives for many companies, you know, to find a solution around that. I think COVID did distract a lot of people for obvious reasons, but I definitely feel we're we're getting back on track with this level of focus. But to me, I think the shift that's happening, and it sounds like exactly what you're finding in the research is, it's becoming a responsibility and an opportunity that loyalty professionals can lead rather than having it maybe on, you know, the CEO's agenda, which let's be honest, you know, the CEO's taking care of everything, (laughs) you know, so we've got the the levers, you know. I agree. And I think it presents quite an exciting opportunity for loyalty marketers as well. I think we're all probably quite aware that sometimes the loyalty program within the marketing mix sometimes comes later within the kind of marketing strategy. Sometimes it can be harder to kind of get alignment with brand and and kind of um, within internal kind of key key stakeholders. Um, So sustainability is something that obviously needs to be part of the whole program, um, the actual company itself. Um, But as you say, it's a real opportunity for the loyalty program to really fly that flag and and kind of actually um, get the engagement off the back of it and and almost be the vehicle um, to promote sustainability um, for the company. So, yeah, I think it could become a really valuable lever for loyalty marketers. You're absolutely right. And again, I'm still actually smiling about the Costa Coffee example because, 
again, not living in the UK, I don't always hear about these wonderful ideas. We did have a great example. I'll just give a shout out recently to um, Etihad Airways, who mm. are using their Etihad guest program. Just a really nice one for anyone listening. If you didn't hear all about their Conscious Choices campaign, it's yeah. exactly the insights you're talking about. Wonderful for me, actually. It's obviously happening in uh, in the Middle East region. But I guess the reason I suppose I wanted to, to go through some ideas with you today, Izzy, was exactly because I think everybody understands the need. And again, coming out into, uh, you know, latter half of 2022, hopefully with a bit more headspace, certainly planning ahead to 2023. But I think what a lot of us tend to struggle with is how can we be more sustainable? Like what kind of ideas do you think? And I know you've written about this. So would love to get some ideas on how loyalty program owners can start to uh, drive that sustainability agenda with their with their members, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the good news is, is that there's so many ways in which you can do this. Um, So yeah, as you you said, Paula, um, we identified kind of eight key tactics Mm -hmm. um, and we put these all through research as well um, as to kind of what are the best ways to kind of approach sustainability within your program. So coming in at number one, Mm-hmm. Um, 44% of Brits said they want programs to reward sustainable and environmentally friendly behaviours. So obviously Costa is a great example of that with the yeah. reusable coffee cup scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also got some fantastic examples um, with my John Lewis. So John Lewis, one of the biggest um, department store chains in the UK here. Yeah. Um, we've got a fantastic um, reuse, recycle campaign called the Beauty Cycle Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exclusive to members only. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring in five empty products and then you get to enjoy five pounds off beauty. Um, mm. Very simple um, to understand. Again, a nice tangible benefit back um, for customers. They feel like they're doing good, but they're also being rewarded um, for their conscious choices. I really like that, Izzy. Um, You've reminded me here, and it might be a local initiative, but Kiehl's Cosmetics, which I'm sure many of you know that kind of brand as well, they certainly um, told my husband about that. And now he's avidly collecting empty jars, which he never did before. And he's lived in the Middle East a long time, Izzy, and there hasn't been a responsible uh, way to recycle, actually, in this part of the world for a long time. Like, it was Mm -hmm. quite shocking to me. We only got recycled bins, for example, in my building about uh, two months ago in 2022. So that'll give you an idea that sustainability hasn't been prioritized in this region. Uh, But I love that John Lewis is making that available for for all beauty brands across the whole department store. Yes, I think you raise a good point there as well. I think the global standards for sustainability very much varies region to region. I think I'm talking very much about the UK. um, And I think here, uh, as we kind of talked about at the beginning, it is almost becoming Uh, a hygiene factor of of programs, a sort of expectation um, rather than, you know, something to do. But, you know, well aware that, you know, in in other countries, they might be at the very beginning of their journey. Um, But, you know, we're all, all, um, you know, it's good to start from wherever you're starting. Totally. Um, (laughs) So the second tactic um, that we um, researched was 43% of Brits said programs should offer rewards that help members live more sustainably. Mm. Um, 
So a couple of great examples of that in the UK is TK Maxx's loyalty program, which is actually TJX um, in the US. Okay. Um, it's, called, it's called Treasure. Mm-hmm. And um, again, a very um, easy to understand mechanic. You make five purchases mm-hmm. um, and then you receive a reward and you can choose from one of four rewards. Um, and one um, of those four rewards are always kind of eco um, or a conscious reward. Um, nice. So really nice examples of helping people live more sustainably mm. with reusable wax wraps instead of cling film, um, mm. e-bombs to encourage kind of bee production, um, reusable makeup pads, reusable hairbrushes, some really yeah. um, examples there. Cool. Um, yeah, really nice. And then we've also got um, H&M. Um, who I think for a long time have been really actually pushing this conversation around kind of conscious choices um, through the H&M conscious range. Mm. Um, They, you know, have the kind of donate in store um, uh, activity, Mm -hmm. um, but they have now kind of built that into their loyalty program. So you earn conscious points for conscious choices. So bring in your clothes, using a reusable shopper bag mm. um, and purchasing from their H&M conscious range will earn you points um, wow. in their program. And that's also not one that I'm, I've seen through a loyalty context as well, Izzy. Again, they're not just executing it in the Middle East that I've seen. Mm. I've seen it in store on the products and that has been very reassuring actually because I think we agreed all fair that um, fashion has often been, you know, one mm. of the biggest sectors that ha- unfortunately has contributed, uh, mm. you know, largely due to customer demand and, you know, all of us wanting to have pretty things to wear. Um, but just uh, I don't know if this is um, is that entirely, for example, the entire loyalty proposition or does it sit alongside a core program? It does sit alongside a core program. So okay. um, they will have kind of your um, exclusive discounts, which is sort of 15 percent off for members um, instead of 10 percent. Um, okay. You know, so that kind of sort of tiering. Um, yes. Uh, you know. If I was being critical, they could probably do even more. Of uh, course, yeah. And maybe kind of bring it a little bit more to the forefront. Mm. Um, they they do have the standard kind of prizes um, that you would expect to see as well, so the prize draws. Um, so, you know, could they probably bring sustainability a little bit more into the prize draws and, and offers as well? I, I think so. Okay. Okay. And and yes, they're also, I think, doing a lot more than most of the other high street fashion retailers, yeah. I would say. So Absolutely. I think we give them a nod to that. And I guess once they start building momentum, um, that's the easy thing then to, to educate people, because I do think there is a bit of a lag as well between sometimes what, you know, consumers say they want and then, yes. you know, what they actually do when they're in store. <laughs> so yeah. do, do you see that in your own work as well, Izzy? Absolutely. I think we talked about this, didn't we, Paula, that for a while, I think there has been a big gap between intent and action. Yeah. And we often see that in research that people come out saying, oh, you know, I'm holier than now and I'm going to do all of these lovely charitable things. And, you know, totally. Um, but I do think we're with sustainability, I should say, I think we are at this tipping point where it's almost becoming separate to other purpose-driven causes. It's almost kind of 
because of the urgency of the climate crisis that yeah. we are in at the moment, it can't be ignored. Um, and it needs to, it really, do, really does need to be addressed by all companies. For sure. And I know there was a, a high profile example in a positive way as well, as you told me about with the, uh, the the hit show. And I hate to say that, but Love Island, which yes. is not my style of TV. But again, given <laughs> that <laughs> at the same time, it's sometimes addictive when you just kind of find yourself watching it. So um, apologies to people for that. Um, a little admission, but uh, just for people who haven't uh, seen what Love Island have done again in the UK market, Izzy, would you maybe tell us about their sustainability uh, choice? Yes, I mean this was big news um, in in a, in a lovely positive way. So um, Love Island very publicly broke up with fast fashion. So historically. They have always had a fast fashion sponsor who provides all of the clothes for all of the contestants. Okay. Um, and they decided to move away from I Saw It First, um, which is the, the kind of fast fashion company here in the UK. Okay. And they made the bold choice to uh, move to eBay. And so all of the contestants are now dressed in pre-loved items. Wow. And it has gone down brilliantly. Wow. Um, and I think something that I didn't mention at the beginning was that stat around Brits wanting um, to live more sustainably. Mm. What we actually saw when we dug deeper in that data was that younger people, more yeah. than anyone, yeah. really wants this. So 78% of, of Gen Z um, mm-hmm. really thought that loyalty programs should be offering that. And obviously Love Island really targets that kind of Gen Z audience. Um, yeah. So I think a very smart move and um, one of, I think, um, one example to follow because I think there is always this juxtaposition with Gen Z. They obviously want to fit in. They want to um, Mm. look on trend and Mm. obviously just with the kind of available disposable income they have, they're not always able to buy kind of ethically and and consciously. So that's kind of why sometimes they do end up going towards um, some of these fast fashion brands. But with the emergence of people like eBay and Depop, who are starting to make kind of fashionable, trendy things more affordable, um, it's sort of opening up um, those kind of conscious purchases uh, more for that generation. Absolutely. And I think those demographic insights are extremely important, Izzy, and hopefully we'll be able to get some access to your research um, for everybody who is obviously listening to the show, because I saw some other stats as well um, around, for example, there's also a female bias that you found. So tell us a bit about the, the other kind of insights that you got on the, you know, the propensity or interest and where it's coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, more women, um, 77% versus 69% um, thought loyalty programs should help live uh, people live more sustainably. Um, and also ABC1 consumers, um, 76% versus 65% C to DE. So ABC1 is um, the more kind of affluent um, uh, sort of uh, consumers within living within the UK. Yeah. And the ones with children as well, I think I remember yes. reading. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was really interesting. So again, I think that um, what we saw was people that have um, children at home um, are more likely to um, want to live more sustainably, which 
I think that's the old uh, pester power from the children telling them, <laughs> come on, mum and dad, you know, we should be recycling more. Or yeah. I certainly found that when I was moved yeah. in with my parents during lockdown and sort of having a weekly fight with my stepdad around the recycling bins. <laughs> he couldn't understand it, but it's a sort of generational thing. It's much totally. more important, I think, for the younger generations to, yeah. to, to, to live like this. And I hadn't made that connection, actually. My assumption around that was that the parents themselves were kind of developing a conscience um, oh. more and more through, you know, I suppose, realizing, I suppose, just the the very human way that, you know, once you are a parent, you start caring about that child's future so much yeah. more. So I guess it's a mix of both, but you're absolutely right. Hester yeah. power is good, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, Go on then, tell us a few more. Sorry, I think I interrupted your your um, your ideas. No, no, no. A really, really great conversation. I think, yeah, the third way, um, so 39% thought supporting environmental causes mattered. And, you know, I think traditionally this is an area where loyalty programmes have done very well in. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the kind of enabling members to donate points to environmental charities or making actual um, donations on customers' behalf. Um, We've got a a lovely example of that in the UK, which is a supermarket chain um, called The Mm Co-op. And um, it's but that's essentially the core benefit to their program. So going back to your earlier point, Paula, this is actually an example of a program who really does have sustainability at its core. Um, so for every pound you spend, 2p will go back to the member and then co-op will also spend 2p on the donation to support community organisations and local charities. Mm. Um, so a, yeah, a really lovely, again, simple mechanic um, and message to understand what a benefit for the customer, but also um, for your community. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Izzy. I think um, the charity opportunity was probably one of the first that loyalty program owners realized they could do for their members. Um, yeah. uh, so I definitely think there's a lot of awareness around that. It seems to me that there's like a benefit where, you know, certain organizations do offer like a choice, for example, to the member where they can choose where to, I suppose, give their support to. And the simple example that always comes to mind for me is, you know, I know Tesco, for example, had, you know, little plastic coins, which were just, you could drop them in to a particular, you know, chosen charity, uh, which was, again, a lovely, simple visual way to say, you know, who do you want to support? So just in terms of principles around sustainability, do you also find that that, you know, idea that the member can choose where the kind of support goes to, do you, do you find that's important? Yes, absolutely. I think um, that's a great example. Actually allowing people to physically put a token in a bin, again, it gives you that wonderful um, moment when you finish your shop. Um, I think the choice is actually really important um, because you need to, it, it sort of goes back to what's important with loyalty marketing and it's that kind of, um, personalization, offering choice, um, making it feel like it's my choice. Um, and actually, we, you know, there are a couple of nice um, new platforms out there. One of them is called Toucan, um, mm-hmm. which is essentially like a charity aggregator, okay. um, which you can almost 
plug in mm-hmm. and you can allow your members to go into their platform and choose any charity. They have literally listed pretty much all of the UK's charities. Wow. Um, they were also on Dragon's Den, if you're a UK listener. Um, okay. They, cool. <laughs> they got their funding through that. Great, um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's like with everything, like we see with the food aggregators, delivery, just eat, et cetera, people want choice at the end of the day and it, it needs to matter to them. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, to answer your question, um, choice is, is very important and, and definitely, yeah, a key factor. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. I think we're all, you know, affected and touched in different ways by by different um, ideas and and areas that, you know, some people might want cancer support. Some people might want to support the dog's home or whatever. So I know that's a little less than than sustainability, but I do think that key insight and that's what I love about this show actually is the idea of, you know, getting your expertise and insights on the key principles that people need to be thinking about because there is no one size fits all. Um, mm-hmm. So so I love that example. So thank you so much for that. No worries. Great. Okay, so what other ideas have you got for us? Yeah, so um, number four, tactic number four, so 33% said programs should offer rewards from brands that help support sustainable causes. Um, and actually... said they prefer brands that are sustainable. So we talked around the Love Island partnership earlier. That's a great example of, you know, eBay coming in. They're obviously fantastic in terms of sustainability and their values. Mm -hmm. Um, Another great example of this is Pret-a-Manger. So again, that's actually, they do have a presence um, in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Um, and they have got a, a charity within Pret called the Pret Foundation. Okay. And um, they uh, they donate unsold food every night to shelters and charities across the UK. Wow. Um, and so far, they've donated six million food items globally. Um, in the last year Mm. and so they are simultaneously kind of saving waste food waste um and also working to break um the cycle of homelessness um so I think yeah just a a really lovely example of um a brand that's really helping support sustainable causes yeah and I can't remember the exact statistic about the amount of food that, um, you know, is wasted on the planet, but it is something shocking. I'm going to say it was something around 33%. The last time I researched it, it's actually a huge issue, you know. I mean, it's yeah. totally the definition of unsustainable if we're wasting yes. so much food, you know. Yeah, and I think quite rightly, it should be the players within the food um, and, and drink industry that are really stepping up here. Um, yeah. Lidl as well, another a supermarket chain um, here in the UK, mm-hmm. they have some pretty uh, impressive and kind of aggressive targets around food waste and, and carbon emissions. So mm. um, they have committed to cutting kind of 40% of carbon emissions um, wow. through food waste, which 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 is a huge number. Mm. Um, but again, fantastic to see that um, from these kind of big players. Absolutely. And I know that was another of your tactics as well, Izzy, you know, this whole idea of offsetting carbon and Mm. the role of the loyalty program being able to, I suppose, facilitate that. 
Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, this is a, this is an interesting one because um, so it was about one in three felt programs should offset carbon and um, 71% are concerned about their carbon footprint and they want to take action, which is great. Mm. Um, I think where we see a lot of, of examples um, from this is uh, some of the highest carbon emitting industries. So airlines fuel um and to be honest it's it's a hard sell um because obviously yeah. you know yeah. people like shell go plus they have tried with kind of mixed success so that's the loyalty program from shell yeah um they members can join the programs um uh carbon offset program and as long as they join opt-in and and swipe their card shell will offset their emissions mm-hmm. um from the fuel purchases they make mm-hmm. and i also i also funny enough um had the example of etihad airways airways as well around their kind of conscious choices oh, great. Um, and and the kind of the, the the ability to kind of donate guest miles to green causes effectively yeah. um i think you know these companies unfortunately are well not unfortunately <laughs> yeah. are subject to more criticism and I think it is quite difficult um yeah. for them to uh you know I guess authentically um yeah promote kind of sustainable programs um without sort of changing their core products totally. um so you know it is harder but I think what we have seen is um, a real rise in kind of plant a tree um, kind of programs as well, which is which is lovely. And I think, you know, quite easy um, to implement. And again, a really nice example of, um, uh, you know, a customer feeling like they have done something. So just by yeah. purchasing something from a brand, uh, the, the brand will then plant a tree on their behalf. And, and that's a really nice sentiment. And Actually, anecdotally, we've heard that by having these kind of plant a tree um, kind of um, uh, plant a tree activities at point of sale, Mm. um, it can actually convert sales higher than if you were just going to give someone a straightforward discount, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, Wow. So that's that's really encouraging to see. It is. It's a really um, inspiring one, actually, because, yes, I think at the end of the day, trees are absolutely part of the solution. And if we can get ourselves out there and get a few more trees planted, well, a few more hundred million trees planted, to be honest. But just to go back to your point, Izzy, I think you're absolutely right. There is... um, huge conflict and, and challenges for um, the brands that are seen as contributing to the the, the, the planetary challenges um, and how they can um, sustainably address it in a way that has credibility. So again, kudos to, to Shell Go Plus and to Etihad. Um, and I think to me, the bottom line is, I think sometimes consumers can, can almost blame the company while continuing to buy that company's products. So yes. I did, you know, I, I remember somebody very high profile in Ireland commenting about, you know, a fuel company and, you know, how much damage they were causing the environment. And I'm pretty sure I've seen her driving a big car. Um, 
So, so I'm kind of like going, you know, okay, get on your bicycle. (laughs) And, you know, we're all consumers of these products. So that's, you know, where the cycle has to, we all have to take, I think, individual responsibility. And of course, there has to be corporate responsibility as well. So yeah, I don't think we can just expect, you know, the fuel companies to fix it or the the airlines or whatever, because we're, I'm still flying, for example, and trying to do my bit at the same time. So it is a journey. And as you said earlier, it's, um, it's an urgent one. Um, mm. And I want to give a shout out as well to Seth Godin, who's uh, one of my big kind of um, inspiring marketeers. Just if anybody's interested, he's published a book called The Carbon Alman- Almanac, which is a beautiful book, which really showcases the shocking uh, carbon issues that we're all facing. Um, so that really helped me, I suppose, start to educate myself around it. So certainly feeling like I'm getting more involved as time goes on. And there was another example, actually, Izzy, we talked about last time, which I just want to mention in passing. And it's not a loyalty program example, but it ticks the other principles we've talked about, which is something that's measurable, something where I felt like I was actually making a difference by changing my behavior and it was literally in my hotel in London, very high tech hotel brand called Citizen M. And what I really liked they did was they gave me the opportunity on an iPad to opt out of having the room cleaned um, every day, which at the end of the day, I certainly don't clean my own bedroom at home every day. <laughs> so, but what they did do uh, is, you know, they literally said, you know, we will donate three pounds to, I think it was also a tree planting charity, you know, yeah. and they they gave the cumulative effect of all of those mm-hmm. individual decisions of guests who stayed with them. So to me, that's super powerful. Powerful when a brand gives it again a reason for me that kind of win-win model I guess which uh, works for everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and actually that brings us neatly onto a, one of the tactics um, that we outline, which is around um, you know programs should uh, offer forums to discuss environmental and sustainability issues and suggestions, etc. And I think. Comms is so important when talking about your loyalty program to give it that authenticity. So don't just say we're not going to clean your room. Yeah. Give context to that. I think you said as well they um, kind of displayed visually um, how many trees they planted, which is again yeah. is lovely. You're understanding the context, you feel like you're contributing to the cause. Yeah, um, there's a purpose to it. Um, so I think you know, making sure that you're authentically communicating um, mm. and, and keeping your members informed of the difference um, will also help people feel more um, engaged and and kind of um, yeah involved with the with the program. Totally, totally. Yeah, I think there is an increasingly um, interested you know, angle, I suppose, or let's say a tactic around community, which we've talked about on this show a lot. Um, And I don't think it's being done as yet to any great scale that I've seen. With the one exception I saw was IKEA who are on the show and they very much have an active community. And I'm sure there's plenty others, which I'd love to hear from. Anybody wants to talk about community, but I think you're absolutely right. Something that is a shared cause uh, like sustainability, um, there might be a way that your loyalty program members feel that they'd be happy to discuss solutions and brainstorm with you that allows them to feel I guess more emotionally involved with the brand as well yeah absolutely and I think um like all loyalty programs having that two-way conversation is so important um 
Because I think, sadly, the alternative is sometimes it will end up on your social channels and they'll call That's you out there. true. Totally. Yeah. 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 So much better to kind of engage them early and have that conversation <laughs> uh, rather than, than deal with the fallout. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost the balance of we're listening and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and starting to invite those ideas versus, you know, launching something, I guess, prematurely, because I know yeah. there's also an issue around greenwashing, as it's called. And mm-hmm. um, so you might actually explain that term, Izzy. Um, I've heard it a lot, but just because you're the, the sustainability guru, you know, uh, wh- what's your experience of greenwashing? And I guess it's it's been an issue in the UK market, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, so. So greenwashing is essentially any company that inauthentically um, talks about being sustainable. Um, I would say probably talks about it more than actually practices um, what it says it's going to do. Um, So I think yeah, there there have there have been a few examples. I'm not Mm. going to call out anyone specifically. Um, Yeah. Yeah, um, but it, but it is an issue, and I think um, I, I think there needs to be a certain amount of leniency with with perhaps smaller companies. You know, when they're first starting out, or it's about kind of phrasing it in the right way. This is our first step um, towards becoming a carbon yeah. neutral company, or this is you know, but almost laying out what that plan is. I think. Potentially, yeah. there is a hesitancy um, or the reason why some brands don't have sustainability in their loyalty program as of yet mm. is because they don't have the full strategy. Yeah. And that's the right decision. You yeah. absolutely need everyone's buy-in um, mm. to make sure that what you're saying and communicating in your loyalty program is exactly what's happening within the company. So I think you're absolutely right, uh, Izzy. There is a need for... Um, you know, clarity and authenticity, actually, that's exactly the right word, because I don't think any company sets out to misrepresent, you know, an intention to be sustainable. I always think it's coming from a great place. I think what has happened just in the past is perhaps they've overstated something and that has caused that backlash. So I think what we're saying is there is a risk of overpromising and underdelivering. But I like your suggestion, which is literally, okay, well, if we say this is our first step or we're looking for ideas, just as long as that authenticity is there, I think that's exactly the right approach. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I know we missed out one, which is which is definitely one I think that um, most of the audience are probably doing already. Again, geographic differences. But, you know, I suppose there is just much more appetite for certainly British consumers for digital loyalty cards versus plastic or or paper ones. So I think that one's well understood, but probably worth mentioning as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so this was our fifth and um, kind of most popular tactic. So 31% said offer a digital card rather than a plastic card. And yeah, it feels it feels fairly obvious, but um, you know, some supermarkets in particular, I can understand the hesitancy um around not rolling it out because you're worried about um alienating the older generations who you know love to have that physical card. Sure. Um, 
<laughs> but um, little plus um who's uh, a little supermarket here in the uk um they were the first supermarket over here to become a digital only proposition and okay. yes there was uh, some initial um yeah. feedback but as long as you kind of upskill your staff um to make sure that they um are able to kind of brief um the customers and, and let and show them how easy um, it is then I think um it's a no-brainer really our phones have become a one-stop shop for monies keys you know making calls etc yeah um, so it feels like the logical move it definitely is and I do remember seeing some of those comms from Needle when they launched the Lidl Plus program and again I can't remember the number but I do remember it was super effective it said something like it only takes nine seconds to download and install and I was like finally somebody's actually showing and really articulating how simple it is because we all have this aversion of oh I don't want to download anything else and I'm busy and I just you know I won't bother but I was just like oh nine seconds totally I'm definitely going to do that so again they they just really understand what customers need to take that very important first step and as you said then everything else follows because then they're in the the digital world of of loyalty with them yeah absolutely and I think um COVID has been a great um upskiller in terms of digital tech for the older generations and I think there's some great examples um, or brands like Apple, you know, you've got these uh, special training classes to teach the older generations how to use phones and tech. So definitely yeah. think there are ways around it. Wonderful, wonderful. There definitely are. And again, we're in 2022. So uh, I think most people understand the trade-off. You know, yes, I I might want a plastic card, but actually plastic's probably not the best thing anymore. So um, yeah, just a case of people understanding why decisions are being made and the full context for that. So So I think that's all of my questions, Izzy, for you today. Were there any other kind of key things you wanted to mention about sustainability in the context of loyalty before we wrap up? I think one thing I wanted to um, just talk about was around the future of sustainability. And I touched on it lightly and I guess helping any loyalty marketers that are listening out there. How how do you make it happen within your company? Um, and I think it's really important. Um, and, and we certainly feel that Amanda Connect that ultimately it ends up as a KPI as part of your loyalty program. So, you know, you might have NPS, active participants, net impact on revenue, frequency, bulkers, guys, and then adding in this net impact on sustainability. So what is your carbon footprint um, and the impact of its on its members' lives? And we think if you can get that into your um, kind of set of KPIs, then... It can't not be embraced by the rest of the company. So I think, yeah, that's probably where I would like to leave it. That's absolutely perfect way to leave it because as we know, what gets measured gets done. So absolutely right. Let's start with the KPIs and and make sure it stems from there. So uh, for people who want to find access to this sustainability research that you've done at Mando Connect, Izzy, where's the best place for our listeners to find that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can actually check it out by going to our Mando Connect website Mm -hmm. um, or you can check it out on the Wise Marketer Mm -hmm. um, where if you just type in Mando Sustainability, our article will come up. 
Excellent, excellent. And I'll make sure to link to it as well in the show notes as well. So uh, with all of that said, it's been a very inspiring conversation, Izzy. Want to uh, thank you for uh, leading on this super important topic. And I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future and looking for lots more examples. So with all of that said, Isabel Finlayson, Sustainability Lead and Senior Account Director with Mando Connect. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.